Okay, hello everybody. Today is Thursday, and recently on Thursdays I've been doing a podcast segment about the disappearance of Donald Lass from 1970, and today we are going to be continuing onward with that, but first I have a couple of announcements to drop. The first one is that next week on the channel I'm hoping to start a new series on the New Orleans Axe murders, so that will mean that there will not be a di an episode on the disappearance of Donna Lass. I'm just going to start that one and see where it goes, and I mean, who knows how many episodes are going to be launched in that one, but there should be a regularly scheduled Zodiac Mondays, and then there will be the continuing series about the New Orleans Axe murders, and there are going to be all kinds of new things going on on the channel. However, I will get back to the episodes on Donna Lass in the future. The second is, I would like to give a shout-out to YouTube user Tina L., who has provided um, with these new images that you see here for Black Box Online Radio. Big thanks to Tina, and also giving a shout-out to Classic Chevy Cat, who said, So happy, hopped over to Amazon and bought your book. Much appreciated, Ned, as I prefer holding a real book in my hands. Very cool. And yes, the book Killer on a White Horse by me, Ned DeHaan, is now available in paperback. There's a link to that in the description box to the Amazon page. It's also available in electronic form. It is a novel, fiction, it's a murder mystery, somewhat inspired by the Zodiac Manson connection, but I was talking a lot about that yesterday. And right now I would like to get into the material about the disappearance of Donna Lass. Today I'm going to be looking at these sections in the book Zodiac Killer Solved by Ray Grant that talk about the disappearance of Donna Lass. On Monday, I did an episode on Ray Grant's book, Zodiac Killer Solved. It was under the title, There Were Four Zodiacs. And then on Tuesday, I did a... I guess it's the first time that I've done an exact article response to Confessions of a Non-Serial Killer by Michael O'Hare. Michael O'Hare is more or less Ray Grant's prime suspect in the Zodiac Killer mystery. However, as I said, there were four Zodiacs. He believes that there were four co-conspirators working together, one of which was Michael O'Hare. But Michael O'Hare actually authored a piece called Confessions of a Non-Serial Killer, and I responded to that one. You can hear about that in I'm Not a Serial Killer or Even a Jerk. And the Even a Jerk line talks about um, um, a series of books that had been written by a guy named Robert Sutton. And I was watching some of his videos on YouTube, and looking at the dynamics of the workplace and just how to deal with jerks at work. I mean, that's really was the subject of the video series that I'm watching. But I guess Robert Sutton's real material is on how do you just respond to nasty people in life. A whole lot of things have been happening on the channel recently, so as always, you can like and subscribe. And feel free to visit the Teespring page and have a look at some of the merchandise. Remember, being weird is not a crime. So I think that Ray Grant's book here, Zodiac Killer Solved, is very good because it really differentiates between discussing the facts of the cases and looking at his theories, like what he personally thinks happened versus something that is coming from a police report and so on. I'm going to go right over to his section 9 here on State Line, Nevada. Donald Lass disappeared on September 6 of 1970. We've actually just passed the anniversary of Donna's disappearance and possibly some other actions happened. I mean, I personally believe Donna passed away very close to the time of her disappearance, but I cannot prove that in a court of law. That is just my gut instinct, more or less. But she was working in the Sahara Tahoe Hotel and Casino, 
and she disappeared at around 1.45, 1.50, 2 a.m. We aren't exactly sure, but let's get right to a Ray Grant section. Donna Lass was a nurse at the Sahara Tahoe Hotel and Casino. She worked until about 2 a.m. on September 6, 1970, treating her last patient at 1.40 a.m. Later that same day, both Lass's employer and her landlord received phone calls from an unknown male falsely claiming that Lass had left town due to a family emergency. Donna Lass was never found. What happened to be... What, oh, sorry, excuse me. What appeared to be a gravesite discovered near the Claire Tappan Lodge in Northern California on Sierra Club property yielded only a pair of sunglasses. No evidence has been uncovered to connect Donna Lass to the Zodiac Killer definitively. On September 6 of 1970, registered nurse Donna Lass, age 25, who had worked at Letterman General Hospital in San Francisco during the Bay Area murders in 1969, was working in the medical unit at the Sahara Tahoe Hotel and Casino in in-state line, Nevada, sometime before 2 a.m., apparently while making an entry in her logbook which trailed off the page, she vanished without a trace. At the time, no one was aware of the disappearance since Donna worked alone in a small first aid station in the back hallway. There was no outcry and no sign of foul play. Well, to um, share some things about that, after doing several episodes on the disappearance of Donna Lass, when did she exactly disappear? Ray Grant says that um, she treated the last patient at 1.40 a.m., right? The, and as far as we know, to the best of our knowledge, that patient arrives at 1.30 a.m. I talked about this in the timeline episode, and perhaps staying around 10 minutes at the nurse's station, then that patient leaves, and somebody named Joan Bendley is listed as the last person to see Donna Lass ever, and that was at 1.40 a.m. Now, Donna was supposed to complete a log entry in her book at 1.45 a.m., but, um, that was incomplete. So that really leads me to believe that the abduction happened a lot closer to 1.45 a.m. rather than 2 a.m. So it would be more in that ballpark. I mean, it's a very important 15-minute window. As far as this thing about the pen trailing off the page, I cannot find any copies of that. I cannot find any info about that. Like, I cannot find a, a visual image of the actual logbook. And if, any, if this makes it to anybody who knows more about this than I do or, or is better at finding things than I am, I would love to see that with my own eyes. And I still say that that is the biggest thing that I am skeptical about. Let's go back to the next page in Ray Grant's book. After working as a hospital staff nurse in San Francisco, Donna Lass decided to take a job in a medical unit at a casino in State Line, Nevada. One assumes that the attraction of the Lake Tahoe area and Donna loved the outdoors and loved to ski and the prospect of being her own boss on her own shift, which was 6 p.m. to 2 a.m., appealed to her. She took the job on June 6, 1970, and lived with a couple named Larry and Ann Lowe at 4054 Highway 50 from June 11th until finally renting her own apartment at 3893 Pioneer Trail on September 1st. She did not move into number 6, at the Monteverdi Apartments until Friday, September 4th, and spent the early morning of the 5th sleeping in the apartment. She drove her Camaro from the Sahara Tahoe to number 6 that Saturday morning around 2 a.m., presumably right after her shift was over. Donna Lass lived in South Lake Tahoe, California, and worked in State Line, Nevada. 
Her life in geographical terms straddled the California-Nevada border. Though Donna's residence was in California and the casino was in Nevada, her apartment and the nurse's station were only a few blocks apart, just across the dotted state line. And as somebody did say, they redrew the border of um, Nevada and California in 1980, and that also affected some things. That's why there's so much confusion. But I'm really glad that Ray Grant pointed that out, that her place of employment was in state line Nevada. And the present day, at the time of this recording, yes, this um, apartment complex, the Monte Verde Apartments on Pioneer Trail, is in South Lake Tahoe, California. But um, as far as this, I do think it's important to know that Donna Lass was living with these two people, Larry and Ann Lowe. And um, I know it sounds like that could get jumbled together, but her name is Ann Lowe, the woman that she was living with from June 6th to September 4th, A-N-N, Ann and then she really only stayed one complete day in her new apartment, the Monte Verde um, apartment number six. And something else is also bothering me. I know that it's just a coincidence in my gut instinct, but June 6th is when she moves to South Lake Tahoe and State Line, Nevada, the Lake Tahoe area. September 6th is when she disappears. Three months to the day, one day after she is spending the full day in the apartments. Something about that really bothers me, and I can't put my finger on it. But do you ever just have, like, those really creepy moments when you think something's just not right about that? But um, I do think that it's very important as well to talk about why was Donna Lass working the 6 p.m. to 2 a.m. shift? Why did she leave San Francisco in the first place? Well, you heard what Ray Grant said in the introductory paragraph about how the nurse's station was rather solitary, secluded. It's at the end of the hallway. Not a lot of visuals, but that also meant that Donna Lass would have had more freedom. She was practically her own boss if she's the only one who is working the station. And even though she has to work 6 p.m. to 2 a.m., which isn't the most um, exciting time for some people. I mean, some people love the nightlife. Some people are more night owls and so on. But she had a lot more freedom with this job than it sounds like she did at Letterman General Hospital. Back to Ray Grant's book. The Donna Lass murder is the signature crime of the Zodiacs in the sense that it was the murder claimed in the very last letter during the Bay Area proper period. The four letters sent in 1974 were all pseudonymous. I guess that means more like anonymous. Pseudonymous. I don't use that word a lot. The Donna Lass murder was also a crime predicted in Riverside by a cryptic clue left at the scene. Firstly, Donna Lass disappeared, and we don't know what has happened to her. However, even though I believe that she was murdered, or Grant believes that she was murdered, I, I just want to be very clear that um, no remains have ever been found from Donna Lass. But yes, even I also believe that she was murdered close to the time of her uh, well, alleged abduction, possible abduction. Now let's talk about what would have happened if Donna Lass had indeed been abducted, and Ray Grant writes here. The exact nature of the Lass abduction is unknown. It has been assumed by Donna, Donna's family that she was kidnapped out of her office at the Sahara Hotel since a friend of hers, Joanne Getchy, had arrived at the casino and was waiting for Donna to meet her at the blackjack tables. Because she had anticipated being driven from the casino by her friend that morning, Donna had walked to work the previous afternoon getting her nurse's shoes slightly muddy on the bottom from a rainstorm en route. And, I mean, 
this is um going to be very important, but I'll keep going here. When Donna did not appear after her friend arrived slightly late, Joanne went with someone from the Sahara Tahoe to the first aid station where the door was found to have been locked from the outside. It was therefore assumed that Donna had left on under her own reconnaissance. Joanne Getchy, not sure what was going on, then stayed in a nearby hotel for the night, and when Donna didn't turn up the next day, she returned home. Excuse me if I said in a previous episode that uh, that uh, Joanne Ketchy stayed in the Sahara Tahoe Hotel. I, I definitely read that somewhere. This one says she stayed in a nearby hotel. It's always important to be accurate, but and even no matter what, um, it's not the most life-changing detail. I just wanted to point that out. We know Donna had already changed into her street clothes, a blue, a blue outfit, because her nurse's uniform was found in a bag with her shoes inside the first stage station weeks later. And that, I believe, is the, um, the nurse's uniform and the nurse's shoes that were slightly muddied. I think that we just need to pause here for a second. Because in the first episode of this Donna Lass series that I've been doing, if you read the articles that are available to the public, they almost ask the question, well, where was she abducted? Was she abducted at the Sahara Tahoe Hotel? Or was she abducted at her apartment complex? She had a car, and her car was parked at the apartment complex, and there's so much time that you need to kind of answer that question, even though it seems like a rather easy question once you get under the surface. An easy question to answer. It seems rather likely that she was indeed abducted, or something happened to her at the Sahara Tahoe Hotel and Casino. Any of these sort of wild theories about how she was abducted at the apartment complex, she decided to walk back home or something, I don't see how that could be possible, especially with Joanne Getschy coming to meet her. Now, the question for us, then, is, well, what happened to her at 1.45 a.m. on September 6, 1970? It is difficult to imagine that Donna would have been assaulted in the first aid station. It's true that her pen trailed off the page while making her final entry. Apparently, Donna was waiting to leave the room just before 2 a.m. when something unusual happened. But the pen dragging off the page could have been the result of being interrupted by someone appearing at the door suddenly. A much more logical scenario would have someone coming to the room and saying that a family member or a friend was having difficulty in the parking lot behind the casino. That would also explain Donna locking the door behind her since her nurse's uniform was still inside and hurrying back out with the person who had requested assistance. This would have occurred right around 2 a.m. her quitting time. As I said, though, I mean, not that it matters too much. I do expect that it would be a little bit closer to 1.45 a.m., but, I mean, 2 a.m. is possible in that 15-minute window thereabouts. But Donna not was notoriously conscientious and would have taken any medical emergency as her first priority. Since Donna was in her street clothes, her departure would not have been noticed by people in the hallway or the parking lot once she got to the car where the, to where the car was. Abducting her would have been a rather simple matter. Well, I mean, you just talked about the parking lot behind the Sahara Tahoe, and last time I pulled up several images of the Sahara Tahoe Hotel and Casino, even though they are from, some are from the present day via Google Maps, Google Earth, and so on. Some of them were from the 1970s and some from the 1960s. I still don't believe that she walked out the front door. I just would expect that there would be eyewitnesses. We have to bear in mind, she's been there three months three months and somebody 
should have seen her and recognized her. Yeah, I saw Donna walking out the front door with such and such person. I mean, you got like front desk staff, you have security guards, maintenance people, especially when you look at how expansive and um, how much traffic should be expected to be going through a casino like that. Even at 2 a.m., casinos are 24 hours. I would expect to at 2 a.m. the place was most likely thriving, and it was Labor Day weekend, so you also have n numerous amounts of tours. I don't really think it would have been very quiet. I still am rather curious to know, is it possible that Donna was taken out through one of the back exits? Because they are the back parking lots at the Sahara Tahoe are very well lit, and I know in the present day, but if, if it's anything like it is now, there are street lamps or overhead lights, all kinds of things. The only places at the Sahara Tahoe Hotel and Casino that are not well lit, not well guarded, not easily visible are the back exits that are by the dumpsters and the back exits along those types of service entry ramps that um, we highlighted last time. So I know that we're going to talk about an abduction theory real fast. And I have no idea what happened to Donna Lass. I'm not committed to any type of theory. I simply don't know. It's an unsolved mystery. But I would just like to challenge the abduction theory for a second. Is it not possible that what um, you guys were saying, like Annalisa, Dora, I think studio staff has weighed in, or, and so on. Is it not possible that Donna Lass was murdered inside the Sahara Tahoe and that her body was hidden in some type of secret place, like a place that would only have been known to certain employees or maybe an extremely regular patron, customer, and so on? Some place that's a dead spot, out of sight, out of view. And that's the reason for these weird phone calls that have happened. Someone is buying time, making sure that Donna Lass's remains are completely gone, and I don't mean just her body, but making sure there are no fibers, making sure that the place has been cleaned with bleach or ammonia or something, and all possible evidence has been destroyed. Is it possible that Donna was murdered in the Sahara Tahoe Hotel and Casino at around 1.40, 1.45, 1.50 a.m.? Not 1.40, but um, closer to 1.50 or 2 a.m. would have been the time of the actual murder. Okay, so I'm going to read one more paragraph once again. This would have occurred right around 2 a.m. quitting time, but Donna was notoriously conscientious. Since Donna was already in her street clothes, her departure would not have been noticed by people in the hallway or the parking lot. And once she got to where the car was, abducting her would have been a rather simple matter. We already know that four people were involved in murders committed by the Zodiacs, three men and a woman. And of course, the three men in Ray Grant's theory are Michael O'Hare, Gareth Penn, Hugh Penn and Berta Margulies is the woman. So let's say the woman comes to the first aid station and feigning nervousness sits down at the chair beside Donna's desk. Donna is finishing up her notes in the logbook and when she sees the woman come in, she immediately jots C.O. for complaints of and looks up unexpectedly at the woman. The woman starts to explain that her male friend, an older man, is having chest pains and couldn't make it to the first aid station. Donna, alarmed, jumps up, her pen slipping out of her hand, trailing off the page, and tells the woman to lead her out to where the car is. Knowing that her nurse outfit and an unfinished letter are still in the room, Donna quickly locks the door behind her and follows the woman into the, a dark area near the rear parking lot. When she gets out of... When she gets to the car, supposedly stricken, 
the supposedly stricken individual is laying across the back seat. Donna leans in to look at him, at which point a second male glances quickly around and shoves Donna all the way into the back seat, covering her body with his own, and puts a barrel of a gun against her temple. Meanwhile, the woman gets in behind the wheel and pulls out of the lot and speeds off to parts unknown. The method of abduction is not a major mystery. The reason for the abduction is... Oh yes, absolutely, if an abduction happened, I think it's exactly like that. Somebody approached Donna Lass at 1.45 a.m. and they said that there was some type of emergency because she was a nurse, because she was alone, because she's in the nurse's station with no one else around. Now, I do have to go back to that point from Mike Morford. Donna walked to work that day. Did somebody know that her car was not going to be in the parking lot? Did somebody see Donna walk to work and they realized that if she were abducted on that day that there isn't going to be a vehicle left behind? Hey, you didn't drive in today? Oh, no, I walked. Some very quick exchange like that. And um, somebody left it in the uh, comment section. Um, oh, was it Albert Forrell who said that if they knew about her previously arranged time to meet up with Joanne Getschy at 2 a.m. or after Donna had gotten off work, then the, abducting someone at 1.45 a.m. is actually a really bad idea, and I do agree with that. But still, someone could have known that she had walked in and not known about the plan to meet Joanne Getschy. And, and just to clarify, I think that's the reason why... Um, Ray Grant has shared that thing about she walked to work in her nurse's shoes, which were um, muddied because of the recent rains, and uh, Donna would have most likely changed into a different pair of shoes, because as far as we can gather, it seems like the plan would be to have a drink with Joanne Getchy at the Sahara Tahoe, and then they were going to go back to Donna's apartment, because that was one of the reasons Donna and Joanne were roommates in San Francisco, and Joanne wanted to see Donna's new apartment, the Monte Verde Apartments on Pioneer Trail. Well, anyway, let's talk about the phone calls, then what Ray Grant has shared here. But um, the phone call made in the wake of Donna Lass's disappearance was not folklore. However, the description of them, as commonly presented, for instance, that Wikipedia entry does not appear to be entirely accurate. You know, thank you for saying that, by the way, especially with the disappearance of Donna Lass, more so than so many of these other true crime cases, I found just numerous discrepancies and inaccuracies. Like some say that her last patient was there at 2 a.m., others say it was 1.30 a.m. Some say that um, she was abducted on the 5th of September instead of the 6th. Numerous discrepancies, not only with Wikipedia, throughout the entirety of the internet about the disappearance of Donna Lass. Thank you for highlighting that. A private investigator hired by the Lass family had an informal sit-down with the South Lake Tahoe Police Department in early October of 1970. I will summarize the information given by the investigator below and make a sequential, make it as sequential as possible. Thanks is owed once again to intrepid Zodiac researcher Howard Davis for his stellar detective work. And I will share something very important about Howard Davis in a future episode. One. The Zodiacs called the Douglas County Sheriff's Office to report that Donna Lass could not return to work because of an illness in the family. This would presumably have happened within hours of the abduction. Note that this was a male voice, ta talk, 
making a call to a police agency shortly after the Zodiacs committed a crime. Nothing new about that. On the other hand, the call did not take credit for the crimes committed. Instead, the call was a misdirection which might delay recognition that a crime had been committed. Exactly what Morph was saying as well, though. Buying time. Although, Morph has not identified anything about the Zodiac Killer in that post that I read off in a previous episode. But simply saying that the reason why that phone call was made was to buy time. It's not a taunt. It's not just a braggadocio being like, ah ha ha, I committed this um, ridiculous crime. Now I'm going to flaunt and act like a complete jerk in your face. No, there was a different motivation for it, and it was to buy time. Remember what I speculated about Presidio Heights, that there may have been a phone call made to the police to take credit for the crime because the Zodiac called the police immediately after the shooting to report that a black man committed the cabbie murder. In other words, they did make a call to the police, but instead of taking credit for a crime, it was a misdirection. Now comes a call after the Donna Lass abduction, and instead of claiming her murder, it misdirects the Douglas County Sheriff's Office saying that there's been an illness in Donna's family, and she won't be returning to work at the casino, so no one in the immediate area knows anything terrible has happened. Yes, I mean, I mean buying time, absolutely. Number two, the Douglas County Sheriff's Office called the Lake Tahoe Police Department with information about Donna Lass. It seems likely that the DCSO, uh, yeah, Douglas County Sheriff's Office, did some sort of pre-functionary check on Donna Lass in the wake of the bizarre phone call and determined from her DMV records that she did not live in State Line, Nevada, but instead in South Lake Tahoe and decided to contact South Lake Tahoe PD. The security desk at the Sahara Tahoe received a phone call from a man identifying himself as Mr. Davis. What is it with the name Davis? First, I mean, you're saying, thank you to Howard Davis for his excellent research in the case. By the way, Mr. Davis is the head of security. His name Davis comes up way too much, and I'm only saying this because Howard Davis's suspect in the Zodiac Killer mystery is Bruce Davis. And, of course, there are Bruce Davis is from the Manson family, and there are Manson family researchers like Ivor Davis and Brian Davis. What is it with this name Davis? By the way, next time I'm getting a new dog, I'm going to name him Davis, but I'm going to call him Davey, and no one's going to know that his name is actually Davis, except for you guys on Black Box Online Radio and me. The caller said that Donna had to leave South Lake Tahoe because of an illness in the family. A note was then left to this effect at the reception desk. A man named Nick Davis was the property manager at Donna Lass's apartment complex, but Nick Davis could not logically have called the Sahara Tahoe about Donna Lass since he was not notified by the police departments about the alleged illness in her family. Donna's Camaro was parked in a space in the apartment complex parking lot. Her apartment was in good order with a light left on in the bathroom, the sole sign of disarray. And it's quite possible that Donna simply forgot that. I mean, people forget things, especially in a new apartment that she wasn't very familiar with. Donna had only stayed in her apartment for one day, and Nick Davis would not have been familiar with her habits. I also agree with that. Since it was, the er since it was early in the month, her rent and security deposit would have been paid. Her mail would not have been backing up. And since only first and second class mail is forwarded by the post office after a move, it is clear the local police agencies eventually questioned the authenticity of this phone call, since the man who took the message, a security guard named Gordon Petrovich, was later asked by police if he recognized the voice. He was also asked if the call sounded like a long-distance connection. 
1970, long-distance calls were made over landlines and tended to sound distinctly different from local calls. Although Monte Verde Apartment Complex was in South Lake Tahoe, California, and the Sahara Tahoe was in State Line, Nevada, the two complexes were in reality only a few blocks apart. And as we've identified in previous episodes, it would be 16 minutes to walk on foot if you go along Highway 50. Between the two would have been treated by the phone company as a local call. So for a connection to sound like a long-distance call, it would have had to have originated from many areas outside of the area. To reiterate, the call made to the security desk in the early week from early in the week from a Mr. Davis could not have been made by the real Dick Davis. Therefore, the call was a ruse and likely made by the same entity who abducted Donna Lass and called the Douglas County Sheriff's Office, the Zodiacs. And in, and I don't think we need to restate this, but Ray Grant clearly believes that the Zodiac killer was responsible for the disappearance of Donna Lass and he he has a multiple killers theory, which you can hear more about in his book, Zodiac Killer Solved, as well as on the episodes here on Black Box Online Radio. There were four Zodiacs, as, and of course, Zodiac Killer Ray Grant theory. So, to talk about the disappearance of Donna Lass, I mean, Ray Grant believes that she was murdered. I believe that she was murdered. It's mostly the thing that we would differ on is how and when... And as he also said, the motivation, like what really is the motive? Is it possible that Donna was abducted exactly the way Ray Grant said? Someone comes to her, says there's an emergency in the back parking lot, so then she hurries out. Yes, of course, locks the door out of habit, and she also has her uniform there and so on. And then they just push her into a car and drive off. Of course that's possible. But when we look at this theory about how Donna Lass was murdered inside the hotel. I mean, think of a place that would only, only like restricted access individuals would have entry to. Is that not out of possibility? I would also like to point out that I think that someone went through a lot of effort to find out who, um, who Donna Lass's landlord was. I mean, even getting the name Davis correct, and the landlord's name was indeed Nick Davis, but they checked him out. They don't seem to think that he was a suspect, and Ray Grant does have some very good reasons about why, because Donna was brand new in the apartment complex. Nick Davis didn't have the knowledge that had been shared with him by the police, and he also wouldn't have been familiar with her habits. She had only stayed one complete day there. So... I just, something about that is really bothering me, and, um, I mean, three months to the day in South Lake Tahoe and State Line, Nevada, the Lake Tahoe area, and also only after one complete day in, um, the apartment, I think that that is, um, doesn't that suggest that somebody has been watching Donna Lass and that they have familiarity with her? And that she was pre-chosen. Maybe someone had an infatuation with Donna Lass for a while. And um, they uh, they even went to the effort of learning the name of her landlord and pretending, Yes, hi, my name is Mr. Davis. I'm calling on behalf of Donna Lass. She has an illness in her family. 
and she will not be coming into work today. That's how I imagine the uh, call would have um, played out. And obviously, they were able to investigate a little bit, determine that it's not um, super credible. But what do you think um, about this Zodiac Killer connection? And what do you think about what Ray Grant has written? Obviously, Heath believes that the Zodiacs, plural, and let's just say the Zodiac Killer, for simplicity's sake, was responsible for the disappearance of Donna Lass. And I seem to have a different um, stance on that. I tend to believe that Donna Lass was either abducted or murdered by an opportunistic predator. And I'm getting so hunkered down on how somebody was using one of these um, rear entry points by the dumpsters or down the service ramp as a way of getting Donna Lass out of the building. But um, I think it was Anna Lissette's original comment about how did somebody not lure her to a hotel room, murder her in the room, and then try to um, p place her body into a large piece of luggage, something bigger than a suitcase, something like a trunk or a large box or something like that, and I believe that's what Anna Lissette meant, and then she was moved out on a cart. Anything's possible. Anything's possible. But I would love to know what you guys think. What is your response to... Um, this section here in the book Zodiac Killer solved a detailed solution to the most infamous serial murder case of the 20th century by Ray Grant. And um, I would also just want to um, recommend one more time the there were four Zodiacs as well as the episode I'm Not a Serial Killer or Even a Jerk. And the reason why I responded to Michael O'Hare's article is because he sent it to me in PDF form. I contacted Michael O'Hare. His email address is available online, but Ray Grant even posted an email address for him here in this very book, Zodiac Killer Solved. And I do have to share a personal note. I mean, Michael O'Hare is a suspect in the disappearance of Donna Lass via Ray Grant. But I have to share a personal note about him. I've always defended Michael O'Hare in the past because he wrote out a very clear response. I had read the entire the entirety of Confessions of a Non-Serial Killer, but I had read a segment of it that had been posted on Zodiac Ciphers that said, I, want, I don't want to be cute about it. Real people were murdered, and it also terrorized the area and wasted time of law enforcement. I am not the Zodiac Killer or the murderer of Joan Webster. I don't even believe that I was in the state of California when the murders happened. All right, I mean, I'm paraphrasing, right? I didn't memorize the whole thing. But he directly denied everything. He flat out said, I'm not the Zodiac Killer. And I think that that was a very good thing to do. I mean, for example, some people like Bruce Davis, we were talking about him, he said, well, I've never been charged with those crimes, so I can't comment on it. And then there were other people like Rick Marshall who were saying, Well, he seems just like me. And um, if there is this guy out there, I guess he's my doppelgango or something like that. But um, they didn't directly deny it because they were so caught up in the in the attention and the taunting and teasing of it all. Then... I was disappointed with O'Hare because I, because of the way he responded to my questions about this book here, Zodiac Killer Solved, that I've been discussing in this episode. I was really asking him for a comment on it, and he simply said, I don't know anything about Ray Grant, and um, this whole thing is a bunch of meshegas or whatever. I don't know how to pronounce it. I don't speak Yiddish. But obviously that's a lie, 
and Ray Grant provided an explanation about how Michael O'Hare not only must know who Ray Grant is, he's almost certainly read this book, Zodiac Killer Solved. I don't believe Michael O'Hare. I think he lied to me. Ray Grant doesn't believe him. And Joe from the Zodiac Killer Insight series even wrote into the channel saying that that is almost certainly not true. And why did he lie about Ray Grant? So that's the big reversal that I've had. I've always defended on O'Hare on that point that he adamantly denied and clearly stated that he was not the Zodiac Killer. Then he turns around and says something that is most likely not true. Well, which one is it? Are you going to be honest or dishonest? Now, I definitely am not saying that he abducted Donna Lass. But I just wanted to share that one thing here because we are just still discussing the book Zodiac Killer Solved by Ray Grant. Anyway, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Anybody can write the show at blackboxonlineradio at AOL.com. You can also download the show for free at Launchpad 1. There's a link to that in the description box. Thank you so much for listening one more time. See you over on Instagram for the bonus podcast. Until next time.